and welcome to Avant-Garde Book Storytime. I'm Ishiri Hardy, and today I'll be reading Chapter 24 of Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. This book was written by Robert C. O'Brien and illustrated by Zena Bernstein. If you have the book, you can follow along and read silently with me. If you don't, no problem. Get in a very comfortable place, just get relaxed. And listen quietly to chapter 24, which is titled, Seven Dad Dead Rats. From a bird cage, Mrs. Frisbee watched the Fitzgibbons eat dinner. There was dinner for her, two breadcrumbs, cheese, and bits of carrot on the floor of the cage, along with a small bowl of water. The cage had been occupied until a few months before by a yellow canary named Porgy, who had lived in it for five years and then died of old age. To get her out from under the colander, Billy had slid a piece of cardboard beneath it. Pinching her front, her foot sharply in the process so that it hurt when she walked. She had been transferred first to a shoebox. Can I keep it? Billy had asked his mother. What? Four. It's just a field mouse. Poor pet. I like it. Billy had tried to look at Mrs. Frisbee through some holes he had punched in the top of the box. But it was dark inside. I suppose so. For a few days. You'll have to feed it. I think I'll put it in Porgy's cage. I can't see it in this box. It must be hungry. It was trying to eat dragon's food. Dumb mouse. It might have been killed. No one had noticed the small torn piece of paper at first. Then Mrs. Fitzgibbon had absently picked it up and tossed it into the wastebasket. A few days, Mrs. Frisbee felt sick. And after a few days, then what? What would they let her go? Or would Billy plead for a few more? But even if they did set her free, her children were alone. The rats were coming tonight to move her house. Why had Billy picked a day of all days to sit on that stool? She had not the heart to eat the food that lay on the cage floor. She felt like weeping. Paul came in for dinner, followed by his father. He looked at her in the cage. Why don't you let it go, he said to Billy. Poor little thing, it's scared to death. No, it's not. It's just not used to the cage. I bet it will die. I bet it won't. You can't just put wild animals in cages. You have to catch them when they're babies. They do it in zoos. Yes, but they know more about it. Anyway, a lot of those die too. It's strange that it was in here at all, said Mrs. Fitzgibbon. I haven't seen any signs of mice. I didn't think we had any. They sat at the table, and Mrs. Fitzgibbon served the stew. It was a long, square-cut farm table, big enough to feed, besides the family, the four hired hands who would be working with Mr. Fitzgibbon during the planting and harvesting. The Fitzgibbons sat together around one end of it. Mrs. Frisbee's cage hung from a metal stand in the corner on the opposite side of the room, quite high up, so that the floor where she crouched was above their heads. She could watch them looking down 
but if she retreated to the far corner of the cage, they could not see her, nor she them. She kept hoping that Paul would resume the argument with Billy and win it, or at least convince Mr. and Mrs. Fitzgibbon that they should let her go. But Paul was now busy eating, so moving quietly, she crept to the back of the cage. There was a sliding door halfway up the side, which Billy had lifted to put her in. Remembering Nicodemus's story, she looked at it, wondering if she could climb to it, if she could get it open if she did. Not now, but later. What they had left, when they had left the kitchen, maybe, but it looked quite big and heavy. She thought about her children again. Surely when Justin had waited a little longer, he would realize that something had gone wrong. He would go and talk to them. But what could he tell them? Children, your mother went into the kitchen with Dragon, and she hasn't come out. No, but whatever he said, they would be dreadfully frightened and worried. Poor Cynthia, poor Timothy, poor all of them. She had one small satisfaction. Dragon, who had been admitted after she was safely caged, had eaten his bowl of cat food greedily, sleeping powder and all, and purring as he licked the last scraps from the bottom. Billy was looking at the cage. There, he cried. It walked. I saw it. I told you. It was all right. He started up from his chair. Billy, stay in your place and eat your stew, said Mrs. Fitzgibbon. The mouse can wait. Speaking of mice, said Mr. Fitzgibbon, who had driven to town that afternoon, there was quite a stir today at Henderson's hardware store. About mice? No, but nearly. About rats. I went in to order the new linchpin, and there were quite a group there talking about an odd thing that had happened. It seems that six or seven rats got themselves electrocuted there a few days ago. Very strange. Henderson sells motors. He had a whole shelf of them. The rats, for some reason, had got on the shelf. He says it looked as if they were fooling with one of the motors trying to move it. That's a new one, said Paul. Rats stealing motors? They weren't really, of course. Anyway, it happened during the night. When the he, Henderson, came into the shop in the morning, he tried to turn on the lights, and the fuse was blown. He found the rats all grouped around the motor. It had left a, it had been left plugged in, though it was turned off. They must have been gnawing at the insulation for some reason. At least that's what he thinks. They caused a short circuit and all bunched together like that. The current went through them and killed a lot. Pretty good kind of rat trap, I'd say, Mrs. Fitzgibbon remarked. Mrs. Frisbee was now listening to the conversation very closely. Dragon had stretched out on the floor, looking drowsy. Wait, said Mrs. Mr. Fitzgibbons. That's only the beginning. It seems that the local weekly was hard up for news. They heard about it and sent their reporter over. Fred Smith, said Mr. Fitzgib- Mrs. Fitzgibbon. Yes, Fred, wrote a little article about it with a headline, The Cat Mechanized Rats Invade Hardware Store. Something like that. Well, it attracted some attention than he, more attention than he expected. The next thing they knew, believe it or not, 
the federal government got into it. They sent a squad over there from the public health service with a truckload of equipment just on account of seven rats, said Billy. They should send a truck over here. We've got more than that. That's just what I said, Mr. Fitzgibbon went on. And do you know, they're going to. I was joking, of course, but the man in charge of the group didn't take it as a joke at all. He wanted to know where the farm was, how far away, how many acres, what I raised, how many rats I thought there were. He acted really interested. It seems they wanted to examine the dead rats at Henderson's, but they couldn't. He'd already sent them to the town dump, and they were incinerated. I never heard of such a thing, said Mrs. Fitzgibbon. All that fuss over a few dead rats? I have, said Paul, and I bet I know what they're after. What? They think the rats have rabies. They don't like to say so because it makes people panicky. What's rabies? asked Billy. A disease, said Mr. Fitzgibbon, a very bad one, spread by animals. You know, Paul, I think you're probably right. That would explain why the public health service is in it. Epidemic control. Anyway, they're planning to check on the rats all over this area. Don't you remember, Paul said, a few years ago when everybody had to lock up their dogs and some people were shooting every dog they saw? That's why they keep it quiet until they're sure. And another thing, they taught us in the vet course in school that when an animal starts acting strange, it may be a sign of rabies. Well, chewing electric wires, that's strange enough. And they think some rats here might be infected. Mrs. Fitzgibbon sounded worried. I suppose they must, said Mr. Fitzgibbon, though they never mentioned rabies at all. When are they coming? Day after tomorrow, Saturday morning. The man in charge, a doctor somebody, said they had some more checking to do in town tomorrow. They're coming with an extermination truck. Cyanide gas, I think. I can tell them where to look, Paul said. Me too, said Billy, under the rose bush. That's right, said Mr. Fitzgibbon. In fact, they'll probably want to bulldoze that rush bush out of there. I can do that with a big tractor. Bulldoze my rose bush, said Mrs. Fitzgibbon indignantly. They will not. Look at it this way, her husband said. I've got to get rid of those rats anyway. I'd already decided to. They're stealing too much feed. Feeds too. More all the time. If I paid an exterminator to do it, he'd charge a couple of hundred dollars. If the government would do it for free, why shouldn't we let him? Well, said Mrs. Fitzgibbon, still not soothed, then you can spend the money to buy me some new rose bushes. That's just what I had in mind, said Mr. Fitzgibbon with a smile, and maybe some lilacs too. Mrs. Fitzgibbon had always wanted a lilac bush. They were her favorite shrubs. Mrs. Fitzfrisby did not believe at all that it was rabies the men were looking for. She wished Mr. Fitzgibbon had been able to remember the name of the doctor somebody, and now she had another urgent reason to get out of the cage. Somehow she had to warn Nicodemus. Dragon slept on the kitchen floor. Wow, boys and girls, that was the end of chapter 24 of Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. Stay tuned because I'll be reading chapter 25 soon.
All right. Thank you for listening and have a great day.